0: Section twenty nine of A History of the Inquisition of Spain, volume four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A History of the Inquisition of Spain, volume four, by Henry Charles Lee. Book eight spheres of action propositions chapter seven part five after the term of his professorship had expired about march one fifteen seventy three his special enemy bartolome de medina was elected in his place and was promoted in august fifteen seventy six to the leading chair in theology while fray garcia del castillo succeeded to that of durandus on fray luis's return he was warmly and honorably received in an assembly of the senate convoked for the purpose where the commissioner of the inquisition declared that the holy office had ordered his restoration to honor and to his professorship luis however refused to disturb castillo and in january fifteen seventy seven an extraordinary chair on the scriptures was created for him the next year, on the chair of moral philosophy, falling vacant, he obtained it, and subsequently he became regular professor of scripture, one of the highest positions in the university. His colleague, Grahal had been less fortunate, having perished in prison before the termination of his trial. Fray Luis's mental vigor was unimpaired, although his delicate frame never wholly recovered from the effects of his long imprisonment such an experience of the dangers attendant on the discussions of the schools might seem sufficient to dampen his disputatious ardour but in a theology which sought to reduce to hard and fast lines all the secrets of the unknown spiritual world there was risk of heresy in every speculation in an acto of the university held january twenty fifteen eighty two the debate widened into a discussion upon predestination and free will in which fray luis and fray domingo de guzman were bitterly opposed to each other it was continued in another theological act the next week the students became excited and called upon father Bagnes to repress these novelties which he did in a lecture declaring that the views of fray luis savoured of pelagianism the latter was angered and the next day in an assembly of all the faculties the question under debate was if god confers equal and sufficing grace on two men nothing else interfering can one be converted and the other reject the aid the discussion between fray luis and bagnes was hot and the excitement increased then on january twenty seventh there was another assembly which wrangled over the intricate questions involved in prevenient aid and human cooperation this was the commencement of the long debate de auxilius between jesuits and dominicans which lasted for a century until both sides were silenced by the holy see without either being able to claim the victory fray luis had excited many enmities though not as many as he was in the habit of claiming and the occasion was favorable for striking at him and at those whom he supported fray juan de santa cruz drew up an account of the discussions with a censure of the erroneous and heretical propositions defended it was not a personal denunciation of any one but he declared that the agitation and disquiet of the schools demanded a settlement by the inquisition this he presented february fifth at valladolid to the inquisitor juan de Areci, and from the marginal notes it appears that besides fray luis two jesuits and a benedictine were marked for prosecution in march inquisitor arisi came to salamanca on a mission to suppress astrology and took the opportunity to gather testimony on the scholastic quarrel various witnesses some of them augustinians came forward spontaneously with evidence and the mercenarian francisco Zumel presented a series of propositions purporting to be drawn from a lecture by fray luis on predestination of which the worst was that christ on the cross was destitute of god and was provoked to sin zumel was a bitter enemy of luis who had defeated him four years before in competition for the chair of moral philosophy both had their partisans and their quarrels were the cause of much trouble fray luis's experience of the inquisition naturally led him to seek exculpation three times he appeared voluntarily before Arisi and made verbal and written statements in which he rendered an account of his share in the debates he admitted that he had defended a position opposite to what he had previously taught which was not without a certain temerity as differing from the ordinary language of the schools and not proper for public debate as it was delicate difficult of comprehension and liable to lead the hearers into error he protested that he had not intended to offend catholic doctrine and if he had said anything inconsiderately he submitted it to the censure and correction of the holy tribunal he also laid much stress on the notorious hatred of the dominicans towards him and the manner in which they lost no opportunity of decrying his doctrine his person and his morals inquisitor Arisi returned to valladolid with the evidence after which there was pause before the case of fray luis was taken up there would seem to have been some hesitation concerning it for the suprema took the unusual step of summoning him before it from which he excused himself on the plea of illness and forwarded a physician's certificate in justification the next document in the case is a letter of august third from the suprema to the tribunal calling for the papers in the cases of the salamanca theologians with its opinion concerning them in its reply the tribunal said that fray luis had confessed to everything testified against him submitting himself to correction and conceding that what he had said was not devoid of temerity he had evidently spoken with passion and after the debate had begged pardon of domingo de guzman for telling him that what he advocated was lutheran heresy in view of all this the tribunal proposed to call him before it and examine him when if nothing further resulted he should be gravely reprimanded and as the school of salamanca was gravely excited and as some augustinians were boasting that his utterances had been accepted by the tribunal as true he should be required publicly to read in his chair a declaration drawn up for him censuring the propositions and also to declare that he had spoken wrongly when he had characterized the opposite as heresy this would have been a profound humiliation for the proud and domineering theologian but again quiroga seems to have interposed to save him there is a blank in the records for eighteen months explicable by the affair being in the hands of the suprema what occurred during the interval is unknown but the outcome appears in the final act of the trial february three fifteen eighty four at toledo there fray luis stood before inquisitor-general quiroga who reprimanded and admonished him charitably not in future to defend publicly or privately the propositions which he had admitted were not devoid of temerity adding a warning that otherwise he would be prosecuted with all the rigour of the law to all of which fray louis promised obedience that he had in no way lost the respect of his fellows is seen in his election to the provincialate of the augustinian order in fifteen ninety one shortly before his death in addition to their exhibiting the attitude of the Inquisition towards the most distinguished intellects of the period, these two trials of Fray Luis illustrate its arbitrary methods, operating as it did in secret. His fault, if fault there was, was the same in both cases, the enunciation of opinions on which the most learned doctors differed in both cases he denounced himself freely confessed what he had spoken or written and submitted himself unreservedly to the judgment of the church in the first case he was arrested he endured nearly five years of incarceration and only escaped torture or the ruin of his career through the kindly interposition of Quiroga in the second there was no arrest the case was decided on the sumaria or suspended and although quiroga probably again intervened it was only to save the accused from a humiliation which would have gratified malevolence judged by its own standard the inquisition abused its powers either in one case by unpardonable severity or in the other by excessive moderation but it was responsible to no one and had no public opinion to dread end of section twenty nine